You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. We're brought to you once again by Mock Out. Welcome to all the new listeners. We picked up many, many new, much follower, much, much, much of greater following over this past week. So this might be the first time some of you have joined me for my regular Thursday show. When I have my old buddy from ESPN, Mike Sando on. Mike, happy draft day to you and everyone out there listening. Hey, same to you. I love the draft. It's fun. The NFL sells hope. Don't they do a great job selling hope? I mean, it's what it's it's a chance to make your team better, whatever team that is. And and uh, I always love the draft. Yeah, me too. I mean, my parents will tell you this story. Like I couldn't even like when I met my wife when she was my girlfriend. I said, "Please don't bother me." You know, I can't sleep the night before the draft. I can sleep <laughs> fine on Christmas Eve when I was ten, but not draft day eve. You know, like. I kind of lose my mind, and now I'm a little better. I actually sleep, don't get me wrong, but it's always been my favorite time of the year. And you remember, like, when we were kids, it wasn't as big a deal, and it was during the week. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as on three networks and all those things. And my mom, I mean, I could have 102 fever. She'd give me an aspirin, kick me out the door, and I'd walk to school. But draft day, I got to stay home all the time. You know, like... Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's great. You got to stay home on draft day, huh? Had to stay home on draft day. And I remember oh. the one time I, I, that I was sitting in science class, and because I, they had tests that day, and I had to go to the draft. And back then, I had like I had like a Walkman or something that I had on real, real <laughs> low. And the Steelers took Rod Woodson, and I like jumped out of my chair. I couldn't believe he fell that far. And I remember Mr. Comus is like, what the heck are you doing? You know, so, that was <laughs> oh, like, that's that, great. That's, that's really sorry, great. That's you know, my, my first college football memory of somebody just a dominant player was Herschel Walker. Mm. I remember what a big deal he was coming out. I mean, I, I mean, just like the best, greatest college football player, you know, that you could imagine. So, yeah, we all have our draft moments. And the fun thing for me, Matt, is that, you know, you can really be dialed in. You can, uh, you know, you can have a great field, but there's a lot of years where more than half the people doing the mock drafting missed the number one pick. Oh, I know. You know what I mean? We can't even get the number one one right, which is odd. I mean, it just shows you how volatile this is and and how cloaked in secrecy it is and uh, how fun it is. That's what makes it fun. It's like, oh, they took – remember when uh, uh, there was a great piece on ESPN, I think David Fleming did on the 99 draft, where it was like – Donovan McNabb got booed because everyone thought Ricky Williams was going to be the guy that you had to take, you know, sure. and it's just fun. Oh, it absolutely is. And I actually get a little emotional on draft day because, I mean, I just remember as a kid, I knew every word in Mel's blue book. You know, my dad yeah. would come home from work and throw me a magazine, a new draft guide. I, would be, I mean, that was the best gift I could ever get. I mean, it was phenomenal. And then when I got a little older... And we didn't even have computers back then. I, I learned about Excel, and I went everywhere I could on the internet, which was like three places back then. Cut, oh, yeah. and, cut and pasted, and I built this document that was like 500 pages long. Made my dad print it out at work. Sent it to the Steelers. I mean, like, I was such a nerd. Still am, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's great. It's great. <laughs> well, what do we got? What's on the agenda today? We have quite a bit. Um, I teased it yesterday that you're pretty dialed in with Seattle. Uh, the Kenny Clark trade is the biggest news of the week. In Frank what, Clark. You know, Frank going Clark. Into, Frank Clark. What did I call him? Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Clark. And I really looked at it more from a KC perspective, and I feel like they sort of overpaid 
and that they were competing with Indianapolis to get his services, and you can see why both teams would really want him. But I think this sets up Seattle really well, and kind of how I prefaced it yesterday was you have Russell Wilson in place now. You know you know he's going to be there the next X amount of years, and it's almost like let's rebuild around Wilson for phase two of his career with not only the picks you got with Clark, um, and you only had four picks to be before that trade. But next year, you set yourself up to get a lot of comp picks. Well, next year they have, uh, I think they expect to have extra picks in the second through seventh rounds. Okay. Now that's like a, having two drafts. And who right, knows, maybe right. they parlay one of these picks today to get a, a one next year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you could have two drafts next year. So I think that would be really exciting for them. Um, I thought that, and I did a piece back in March thinking that, you know, Kansas City was setting themselves up to take to get a pass rusher and maybe one of these guys. I thought that Clark might be had for two twos. So for Seattle to get the one, I think, was awesome for them. Um, imagine if, just let's just think of it this way. I think Kansas City really overpaid, even though Frank Clark's right. a fine player. Imagine if the rules for Seattle had been this. Let's just say to re-sign a franchise player, you have to go to the top of the market and you have to give up first and second round, your first and second round picks. And let's just say Seattle re-signed Frank Clark to that deal that Kansas City gave him. And then they had to forfeit a first and second rounder. People would say that's the worst move you've ever made. <laughs> what are you You're doing? Right, the yeah. top of the market and give away those picks? Well, that's like what Kansas City did. Yeah. So for Seattle, from their side, they would love, ideally, to have Frank Clark. I mean, I think that, that would be great if you could re-sign Frank Clark to a you know, a good deal, but a reasonable deal and keep him and continue to build around him and build to the draft. That would be great. But I don't think they were in position to do that because he was going to cost, you know, 21 million or whatever, which is really high. He's a fine player, but he's not, he hasn't even been to a pro bowl. It's not like he's a, you know, the top pass rusher in the league for the last five years. He's not Von Miller. And then the other thing is they didn't have enough picks they only had four picks in the draft, no second, to do the restocking they need to do as a team that's going to have a lot of money wrapped up in Russell Wilson. And and if they had re-signed Frank Clark, they would have had a lot in him. They would have a lot in Bobby Wagner. So I think this really makes sense for them, as hard as it is to lose Frank Clark. Because, I, I mean, he's a young guy who I think is tough, and he's he he's only 25. He, he plays the run. He plays hard. He's relentless. I think he's in a lot of ways, what you want to build around. Um, but this just feels like a, they got to be ecstatic um, about what they were able to get. If you had said two weeks ago, you're going to re-sign Russell Wilson to a deal that doesn't have all those, you know, tied to the cap and guaranteed, fully guaranteed, all that stuff, all that nonsense that was really written about as possibilities for um, a Russell Wilson deal if it were done right now. That you were going to get that done and get what you got for Frank Clark, I, mean, I think that's a win. Oh, absolutely. And you know, meanwhile, Kansas City's a little strange. I know it's not one for one, but you moved on from Ford and Houston, and I'd prefer Clark to those guys. And you did get compensation for Ford, but it just seems a little curious of how they're going about things. Uh, again, Clark's more valuable than those two, but um, a little scattershot to me and their approach. But where do you yeah. see Seattle? You know, like. Uh, going into last year, I thought they were a five or six win team, and yeah. I was wrong. I mean, and I still think that's a, t- a roster that needs 
close to everything, but they obviously have a quarterback, and their version of a rebuild is not what's going on in Miami or, you know, the, the oh, Browns. No. no, you know, I mean, they're going to still be in it. So their over-under win total in Vegas was eight and a half, and uh, I think they go over. I mean, they've never won fewer than nine games with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. So you start with that. They've yeah. got they've That's got a, a really good head coach and a really good quarterback, and they have a uh, formula for how they want to win the games. That is controversial. People think they need to throw the ball more, but and last year was a little over the top with how much they ran it. But for the but they know exactly what they want to do, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a real good. Uh, you know, set up with the GM and the head coach and the head coach has proven an ability to develop and play with and win with young players. So I think what happens is um, they get rid of guys that we know about and then they replace them with guys we don't know about. So a year ago, no one, unless you knew Seattle was talking about how good Trey Flowers is going to be. Right. 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 Well, they think Trey Flowers could be better than Shaq Griffin. I mean, like so, Reed on the D-line is a great player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, they do have some holes on their roster, but um, I think that they probably have some pieces on their roster that other people aren't talking about that they're going to feel good about. And the critical component of that is the draft. So when you have that alignment between the head coach and the GM and a history of being able to plug in and win with young players, um, I think they should be excited. And I think that the floor is higher because you have Wilson, right? I mean, he's, he's a good quarterback. So, um, you know, he's going to finish the year with a hundred passer rating or 110. He's going to have 35 touchdowns and 10 picks, right? I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be really good. So uh, I like him to at least be a 500 team and probably better because they'll find some guys that we're not talking about now. Yeah, that's really well said. And all these picks coming in over the next two years, it's going to be a lot different franchise a year or two from now, young Wilson's, image and obviously it's his team my last Seattle thought and then I want to tell you about mock out is Doug Baldwin I think is a key though I still think he's playing really really well when he's out there but another injury he's dealing with now age yeah you know what are your thoughts on him I'm worried about him you know I thought that um you've kind of seen this team turning over the old guard right the guys that you know, Sherman and Earl Thomas, they were all-time greats for the team, and they gave their all to the team. But the relationship between the team and the player wasn't really what it was before. And I thought that I thought a year ago that Baldwin was kind of heading to heading that way. You know, he, he just seemed part of that group um, and maybe was starting to wind down. Um, then once he got healthy last year, he was really good again. Yeah. So now he's had, what, three surgeries this offseason. So if they can get another good year out of him, um, I think they would have to feel great. I just, I'm a little concerned. You know, I, I'm just a little concerned about him week to week at this stage of his career. Uh, I think in any one game or, you know, if he's healthy for a six game run, awesome. But that's a position they need to address. And if you go back to when Pete Carroll got there, you know, they signed Mike Williams. Remember the old um, guy from, you know, what was he, 6'5? Big Mike Williams, yeah. There was yeah, a couple so, of them, yeah. Pete Carroll's formula for doing this has always been the, you know, the the big power back. He went and got Marshawn when he when he got there, you know, and then the big possession receiver. And they, they haven't really always had that guy. So, you know, are they going to can they get a big receiver, a big target? You know, they got Will Disley last year and he tore his Achilles or tore his uh, patella, patella, you know, as a good tight end. But I think they need to stock up there, you know, to to help. Um, and then 
what you get from Baldwin is almost, I feel like it's a little gravy at this point, just based where he's at physically. He's given so much to the team and, and he's tough, but you know, it feels like the end's a little nearer just physically. Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I, I mentioned mock out. I've been talking about them all week. Mock out is the only app where you can make a mock draft and enter a mock draft contest. Of course, you're going to watch the draft anyway, which you obviously should, but make it count. Get some skin in the game with mock out. With Mockout, you make a mock draft pool for you and your friends, then you have a rooting interest in every pick, because when you're in a mock draft pool, every pick matters, you're not just, you know, waiting on your favorite team. The draft is tonight, so it can be so much better for you and your buddies if you go to Mockout.com, get the free app, and own the draft. Mike, you mentioned Marshawn Lynch, and kind of quietly, and not unexpectedly, he retired recently. Is he a Hall of Famer to you? Um, I think the Raiders will be very much in the running back market, maybe even tonight. I'm sure he was a blast to cover. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is hilarious. Now, I think <laughs> his media relationship thing got weird, you know. I don't know what I don't know really what happened. <laughs> there was kind of two Marshawns. So the first, for, from a media standpoint, I think to his teammates, he's the same guy all mm-hmm. the way through, and they, they love him. I, I mean, him. you know, how could you not? Um, but... Uh, Hilarious! I gotta see if I can find the video. I'll send it to you sometime. When they first got him in 2010, um, I went and covered this game in Chicago. It might have been his first game, and we're in the locker room. And Charlie Whitehurst was the backup quarterback uh, for Seattle at the time. And remember, Charlie Whitehurst had that had the long hair and the beard, and they called him like what they call him like Touchdown Jesus or something. Right, you know what right. I mean? Right. And so he was on the other side of the locker room, and in Chicago, in the locker room. Uh, you know, it's tight quarters. A lot of times the visiting locker room is not as good, right? They well, make it all cramped and stuff. So Marshawn well, is in there. So bad when I was a pit. I can tell that yeah, story sometimes. Marshawn's yeah. standing there with his back to his locker, and Charlie uh, and the quarterbacks are across the way, but uh, there's this huge group gathering around Marshawn. It's his first game with Seattle. They just traded from Buffalo. I think it was his first game. And so we're all there. And out of the corner of his eye is John Saraceno. And if you know John Saraceno, he's longtime reporter for USA Today. Um, and he had and covered boxing. I mean, he's been around forever. And he's got a beard, uh, kind of like white. He had a beard kind of like Whitehurst. So so Marshawn is talking to us and just going on. Out of the corner of his eye, he sees Saraceno and he does this big double take. And he would you could tell he was not really unsettled, but he was off his game and he yells across in his, sort of his, he had this great delivery. He goes, he goes, yo, Charlie, this your pops. And, and, and it just was the funniest. The delivery was like that. You know, he gave like an exaggerated delivery and it was so hilarious. I mean, I, I just laughed and I, you just got to, a sense of the playfulness of, of Marshawn and, you know, the interaction with teammates. And uh, so all that doesn't mean Hall of Fame, but I think I think he is a Hall of Fame back. I, I don't think that all the voters, I'm a, one of the voters, I don't think all the others off the top of their head are going to are gonna realize it at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you really look at it, um, and I did a piece on ESPN, I think after he retired the first time, you know, uh, just going through, there, there is a comparison with Earl Campbell, I think statistically, I think a little bit style-wise, you know, just guys sure. who were real bruisers of their time. He was a dominant back. I think he, um, you know, he really, Seattle rode him to a championship. I know they had the defense, but it was a defense running game, young quarterback. I mean, he was, he was awesome. 
Yeah. Um, you go, I think he has the signature runs, you know, the, the oh, yeah. not just the style, but the, the beast mode run. I think that helps him, you know, in a big playoff game to win the game, uh, maybe the best run in NFL history, right? Or one of the top five. Um, you know, I think also what was underrated in him because he was such a good, you know, such a, such a good bruising type of a back was the fact that he was a great all around back. You know, he was really a guy who you could flex out and he could run, uh, you know, a, a slant in the at the goal line uh, and beat coverage. Uh, I believe him, he did that in a big game in Seattle against uh, when they held off Peyton Manning in Denver in overtime, as I recall. So uh, pass protection, you know, the whole thing. He was the whole package as a back, not just a bruising runner. So, uh, you know, I think he's he's got the. His stats are good enough, you know. What do you think? Would you put him in? I would. I mean, I lean that way. I'm with you. I don't think he's going to be a no-brainer for the voters. You know, like Adrian Peterson will come up around the same time, and he'll get in easily. Where I think Lynch has just a strong case, uh, more reliable, like you said, great in protection, um, probably could have been used more as a receiver in a different scheme. I mean, what if he was with Sean Payton or somebody like that? Um, and again, the backbone of the team when they needed a yard, when they needed to close teams out. I mean, he just, give me, give me the ball, give me the ball, highlight runs, lived up to all the billing as a draft prospect. I think he's not an easy Hall of Famer, but this sounds yeah. terrible. But, like, I, I always look at, like, Terrell Davis, Curtis Martin, Jerome Bettis as the, quote, worst Hall of Fame running backs lately. <laughs> and I'd take Lynch over all those guys. Yeah, I, I would, too. That's a great way of putting it, and you know those I guys mean, were all, right. those guys were all really good backs. You know, the right, first right. Hall of Famer. It's like the shortest seven footer. You know? Right. I mean, the ugliest girl at the beauty contest type of thing. But yeah. You're right. Yeah, but um, but I agree. I, I think he's fantastic. So um, I think he'll get in. You know, I don't know if it's going to be the first time and whatnot, but um, I'll probably be the person to give that uh, speech if I'm still doing Hall of Fame because I, I do the Seattle market, and I really look forward to it. I just think he's a special player. Yeah, I wanted to make sure we talked about that. Um, something I always do, and you can kind of set this one out if you want, Mike, but on draft day every year on this podcast, I give my top five quarterbacks and I realized I was, haven't done it yet till today, obviously. Um, and here's my top five. We'll talk about them more as they get drafted. I'm going to be recapping the draft folks like crazy these next couple days, but like most people, I have Kyler Murray at the top. I have Haskins number two. I do have some height concerns about Murray and I really do think system will be important. Um, I have Haskins at two. I don't love his accuracy. We really broke him down heavy yesterday. Go back and read that one. Where I differ from a lot, and most of this is based on accuracy, is I have Will Greer from WVU at number three. And if I were buying stock, you know, his stock would be cheaper than some of these other guys. That's who I would invest in, is stock that's going to go up. Um, maybe he's not a first-round pick. I don't think he will be. Might be able to sit for a little bit, learn, not get thrust into the action early. So I really have high hopes for him. And then the last two, like everyone else, I have Locke and Jones. And I worry that they're going to be first-round busts in a big, big way, to be honest with you. I mean, there's a gap there. I would not, again, if they were stock folks and I had to pay a little bit first-round type money to get stock in Locke or Jones, I would sell, sell, sell. I would not be buying. And that doesn't mean I hate them. I just think that if you're the Redskins and you take them in the middle first round, you're not going to be thrilled with those guys or the Giants. I mean, I'd much rather have Rosen than everyone on this list, except for possibly Murray, but I'm not even sure about that one. 
So that's my list, guys. I mean, you feel free to... I always like to document it on here before the draft, and we'll talk about it more where they land. We're going to be back in the moment to discuss a little bit of draft stuff, but I've kind of avoided it because by the time you're listening, some of this may have already happened. So we'll be back here in a moment. All right. We are back, and do you have any hunch if it's going to be Murray at one? I mean, they've been pretty tight-lipped about it, and you're hearing you know different rumors all over the place. Yeah, I haven't heard enough to say that I'm going away from it. You know, I mean, I don't think I'll be surprised either way. I'd probably be a little surprised if they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels that way. But we, I don't know that we really know why it feels that way. You know, yeah, <laughs> they, right. they said something, you know. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't come off of it. To me, it, you know, it comes down to is Rosen, are you sure Rosen's the guy, you know? And, and uh, I don't know that they would be. Why would a new coach coming in? automatically want to just roll with him, you know, because if you don't take Kyler Murray, you're sort of committing to Rosen. You know, you're, oh, you're, yeah. double, you're kind of committing to Rosen again. <laughs> My thoughts on it, we're recording this noon on draft day, are if it isn't Murray, and we've talked about this a lot, and I understand why it would be, if it fits the system, you fall in love with the guy, take him. But the owner might be saying, hey, I hired you to get Rosen right. You know, what are we doing here? You go draft Quinn and Williams get Rosen back on track. That's what I hired you to do. If it doesn't end up being Murray, I could see it being pressure from the owner. Yeah. And I thought big picture. So like if you would have asked me, um, you know, January one, what would I think would happen? Um, at that point we weren't a hundred percent sure if Murray was playing football. Right. Um, right. I, I thought it's funny. So I did 10 predictions by NFL executives, um, for the 2019, and one of them was that Kyler Murray would be in an NFL camp. Isn't that funny? I mean, at the time, that was a prediction. <laughs> yeah, right. But we didn't know. You were going um, out on a one, yeah. And another one was just that, you know, that Arizona would probably trade that pick. I think for their team building, as long as you didn't think that Rosen was an absolute catastrophe, right? Right. Um, getting a bunch of picks is really what they need. They don't really need one player. You know, unless Kyler Murray, you're so excited about it. And I can see maybe they would be, you know, sure, maybe, sure. maybe he's the guy. If you think he, if, you know, if you're convinced that he's going to be a really good quarterback, then you don't even think about trading it. Right. You just take him. Um, but, and I wouldn't fault any team for that. I mean, if you yeah, want a quarterback, absolutely. take him, you know, right. Yeah. And that was part of the, I told you that great 1999 draft, you know, that the, the, the Eagles, I believe Joe Banner was quoted in Dave Fleming's story saying, um, you know, they could have traded, but, but they wanted McNabb, you know, <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they, they didn't think about it for five minutes, I think is what Banner said. So um, if you're Arizona and you love Kyler Murray, you don't think about it for five minutes, but just in the big picture of franchise building, I thought before we knew, uh, you know, Murray or that he could be the guy there, we didn't even know Kingsbury was going to be their coach. I thought, God, they just need a lot of picks. They, they need to do, they, they need to be able to take three offensive linemen in the first three rounds. You know what I mean? And just have a bevy of, Future first, you know. Yeah, yeah, just really restock it and just, you know, just rebuild. Right. I'm not sure who would be in the market even now to give them the RG3 type of move or, you know, with Cincy. Well, that would take a surprise. Yeah, that would be the fun surprise, though, Matt. Washington. is the team that goes to one to take Kyler Murray or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, to just find out that, ooh, you know what? Gruden is going to do it. Or just, just right. somebody, you know, just somebody that we're not 100% thinking would do that the redskins um, come to mind yeah would the redskins just you know make that big move up or do they feel like hey we can sit here and get haskins you know or um, i can 
traded for Rosen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a fun part of the draft. And I think they're in the back of my mind, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona took Kyler Murray, took someone else or traded the pick. None of those things were going to be like, oh, I didn't, I can't believe it, but it's all just exciting. Right. And by the time people listen to this, that may have already happened and may be finalized, yeah. but it's still speculation at this point. The last two teams I just want to bring up briefly, and we'll wrap this up. The two teams with the most picks in this draft are New England and the Giants. Both have a dozen, and they've accumulated them much differently. The Giants have traded a lot of of assets, including Odell. The Pats have worked the system as they always do and traded down from last year, and they don't pick till 32, but they got 11 more picks. I bet they're going to be wheeling and dealing like crazy, especially Friday. And then I just heard this, Mike. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Is the Giants have a dozen picks. Gettleman, every draft that he has been in charge of, he's used slightly under six picks. So I know a lot of people aren't talking about the Giants as trade-up candidates, but I bet they trade up quite a bit in this draft. It's funny. You know, I, I re- recognized that about Gettleman several years ago, just looking at mm-hmm. his drafts, and I had a conversation with Bill Pullian about it. Um, and I, I said... Uh, you know, I thought that the way to go was to get as many picks as you can. You're oh, throwing, yeah. throwing you're throwing darts to raffle tickets, right? That idea of and so you saw you've seen in some recent years, you know, there were some teams like Philly or for a while Seattle. These teams were just using those picks. It doesn't mean you're going to get great players, but it gives you a better chance, right? So I said that to Polian and I said, "What's Gettleman doing? I mean, he he never has any picks." And Bill like pushed back really hard and was like. Don't fall for that idea that it's a bunch of great picks. You've just got to pick good players. And and so I didn't think those two things are exclusive. I didn't get a better chance to get good players if you take a lot of picks. Right, but, right. But Bill, who got wears a gold jacket around, you know, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have one of those. Right. <laughs> but Bill wears a gold jacket around. He knows what he's doing. Um, you know, um, did not think that that was a huge strike, you know, against somebody to have fewer picks. So I'll, maybe I'll go back and look at that conversation. I'm sure I've got the notes somewhere, but uh, interesting way to, you know, there's more than one way to, to look at things. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if they go defense with their first two picks and everyone's killing the Giants and then they package up into round one and they take Jones or somebody like that. You know, like, they could be a very active team tonight. Yep. Yeah, I, I the, the, the Giants, this draft tells you whether the Giants can claim that they really had a plan all along, right? Right. Well said. Because we said it feels like they are sort of feathering the nest for a young quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're getting you you disruptive wideouts, you know, and and uh, you get the back who's going to be the face of your team a little bit on offense and you know, take some pressure off the quarterback. Trade for Zeitler. You know, right. Try to stabilize that line. I mean, those are all moves that are controversial and we can say they didn't make sense. But if you get come away with a quarterback on top of it, then you can say, okay, we can debate over what's the best way to win the game, but we can say that, okay, that looks so that looks more like a plan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a wrap. Good stuff today, Mike. Hopefully much of it isn't outdated. I kind of want to avoid <laughs> draft predictions and all those good things. Folks, I will be back tomorrow. I'm going to break down every pick in round one. That'll be a great show. I'm jumping out of my skin for excitement for tonight. That's a wrap. Please go to iTunes and leave me a review. Over and out.